What's up, guys? This is Jacques, and welcome back to Politically Incorrect. I'm flying solo today. I had a few guests lined up, but it fell through, which I'm actually glad about because I have so much to bitch about and rant about, and it's going to be a bit controversial, so let's just get into it. By the way, uh, if you're listening on your iPhone, please go and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can do it through the Apple Podcast app. It takes like two seconds. Just do it while you're listening. It helps the show immensely with like charting and getting guests and just everything. So please go and do that for me. So, first of all, um, I actually went out and socialized last weekend, and honestly, I really was not a fan. Um, I've been holed up in my house since COVID, pretty much, like, working from home, and I rarely leave my suburb because I have everything that I need here, like, all the shops and just everything is here. So, I barely even go out. I went to the movies with a friend, and just being out in the wild again reminded me how much I hate everybody and everything. Like, there was riffraff on the train, there were, like, noisy people on the streets. I saw some drunk uni student attempt to steal a wine glass from a restaurant, and he was being chased down the street by the waitress. And then when I went to the movies, someone sat way too close to me. Like, this is COVID, and you literally sat next to me in the movie theatre. I booked tickets in the back to the side, so I was not near anyone specifically. I, like, strategically got the tickets in a spot where I thought no one would sit next to us. These two girls still sat next to me. Then they ended up moving, thank God, just as the movie was starting. But then when they moved, they, like, talked and ate noisy food the whole time. And, like, keep in mind, this wasn't some, like, mainstream superhero movie. Like, when you go to the crowd pleasers and, like, the blockbusters, you kind of expect, like, just idiots to be on their phones and to have no manners and stuff. Like, it just comes with seeing those kind of movies. But this was, like, an old Korean crime drama from, like, 20 years ago that was having a special screening really late on a Saturday night. Like, why are there people in there, like, talking and acting a fool? Like, come on. Like, this isn't the movie for you. Like, go and watch fucking Iron Man Part 9 or something. Ugh. Anyway, oh, and I think my bladder has shrunk from, like, working from home for so long, and I'm so used to just having the bathroom, like, right next to me. So, when I went out, I needed to pee, like, every five seconds, and I swear it's because I'm just so used to going to the bathroom all the time now. Anyway, I got home, and I was so happy. You know, I have a nice apartment, I have my PlayStation here, I have my dog here, like, everything I could need, and, um... Like, I would be happy going back into another full lockdown. Just get my Uber Eats delivered. I can watch my Bravo. I can do my podcast. Like, I really just don't need the outside world. So, that's that. Now, obviously, I'm going to get into the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City premiere. I know that it's all anyone can talk about right now. Everybody is obsessed with it. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but we need to get a few get through a few things first. Namely, the Real Housewives of Orange County, which, if you're not watching it this year, you are missing out because this is objectively a really great season. And for those of you who boycotted the show, the joke is on you because you're actually missing out big time. What's so good about this season so far is that it's actually all real life stuff and authentic issues. It isn't the usual kind of overproduced contrived drama that we've been getting on The Real Housewives lately, and it's really refreshing. It actually feels like the early days of The Real Housewives of OC in a good way, in that it's just more real, it feels more fly on the wall. You know, Bronwyn is dealing with her alcoholism and getting sober in real time. That is really interesting to watch. Um, 
Gina is a struggling mum trying to build this whole new life for herself, and she's also dealing with the domestic violence from her ex-husband, Matt. We saw some of that play out over the last two years, and Matt actually appeared on the show for the first time ever. I really feel for Gina because it's like she wants to put in a victim impact statement for the domestic violence issue as a way for her to kind of take a stand and, you know, be strong and talk about, you know, what happened with her, but she's also really conflicted because she kind of doesn't want to do anything that's going to contribute to the father of her kids going to jail. So she's like struggling with that. And it's really interesting to watch. She has a new man called Travis and they're in this small townhouse together and they have a blended family and they're trying to make that work. It actually feels very Teen Mom. I don't know if you've ever watched Teen Mom before, but Teen Mom is like struggle street, big time. That's what Gina's giving me. I love it. She is such good casting. Anyone that thinks that Gina is like bad on the show is crazy. She is bringing so much of her like real life stuff that we want to see. And it's just a lot of authenticity. Um, The only criticism I see towards her is that she's not rich. Well, like, newsflash, most of the housewives that you watch aren't rich, and they're in, like, rented mansions and going into debt to put on this, like, fake lifestyle for you. So, I just think that the criticism about her not being wealthy enough is so stupid. And she's building wealth anyway. We're going to watch her build her wealth up, just kind of like Robin on um, Potomac. So, Gina is amazing. Uh, We have Elizabeth as well. She's the new girl. She has a drug addict sister. The reason that this is interesting is because, like, Elizabeth is from the trailer park. You know, she married rich, so she's rich now. Um, She's kind of like a new money redneck. And... It's really, really kind of fascinating to watch her two lives. She has this new life of being this wealthy jet setter, and then she has her old life from the trailer park. You know, she has drug addiction in her family. It obviously hits really close to home for her. We see her kind of, like, crying on camera about it. I really like Elizabeth, by the way. I think she's a really good casting addition, even though she hasn't had a ton of storyline yet, but she has a lot of potential. My girl Emily doesn't have much drama this year, but she's kind of like the Greek chorus of the show and the Bone character and the comic relief all in one. Um, I kind of just agree with everything she says. Sometimes she does have a knack for talking shit about people in her confessionals and not to their face, but she still has been confronting people. Like, she's confronted Bronwyn over some stuff, uh, which is, like, cool to watch. Um, Bronwyn by the way, had a scene on the most recent episode where her 16-year-old son Jacob dresses up in drag with the family. Now, my initial reaction to this, honestly, was like, eye roll. I was just like, ugh, here we go. Like, look, I'm gay. I mean, you can probably tell, but yes, I am gay. Uh, I'm in my early 30s, and, you know, when I first came out, things were really different to how they are now. Like, I grew up in a country town. I was literally the only gay person in my school and one of the few out gay people in my entire town. It was really normal to, you know, be called a faggot and have try people try to, like, beat you up. Um, I actually wore makeup at that time, just mascara and eyeliner, and nobody was doing that then. Like, we didn't have James Charles or, or anything like that. I didn't even know if YouTube was out when I came out. And, you know, I think I just did it. It wasn't like a gender issue for me. It was just me kind of being different and rebellious. I think I've always kind of been like that. And um, I actually got bullied in class by a teacher for it. And these days, like, can you imagine if a, if a boy came to class wearing like mascara or something and the teacher bullied him in front of the whole class? Like they would they would be fired and it would probably be like a national news story. But back then it was just nothing. And I have to admit 
I do get frustrated when I see like straight people kind of trying to get under the LGBT umbrella for clout because it's very trendy now and it's looked upon positively to be different. You know, what I got bullied for back in the day is now what like makes you in with the the popular crowd. So, you know, I do roll my eyes when I see someone straight and just because they're dressed slightly androgynous, they think that they're suddenly part of the LGBT umbrella. Maybe some of it's bitterness for me as well because I just think sort of what I went through compared to what people go through now, which, you know, I'm not saying that homophobia and stuff doesn't exist. Of course it does, especially depending where you are, but it's definitely a very different world compared to what I dealt with. But you know what? Sometimes my attitude with that is also just being cynical. And that's how I think it was with Bronwyn. You know, once I pushed my bias aside, I actually really liked this scene with Jacob and I'm totally behind it. I think it's so great that his family is being so supportive of this and letting him experiment and explore things without judgment. And also, I'll I'll just note, they don't seem to be pressuring him regarding, like, identity, transgender stuff. It's They're just kind of letting him, like, dress up and get it out of his system. I get the impression that he probably is a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is a reality show that, you know, a lot of people are obsessed with it. He probably just wants to emulate that. I don't think it's really a big deal. Kelly actually asked about this, by the way, which was really funny. She just (laughs) straight up went to Bronwyn. Is he doing this for attention? Because you said he's not transgender and he's not gay. Which, by the way, that's a normal question to have. Like I said, my initial like knee-jerk reaction was kind of like an eye roll. Um, I think a lot of people watching it, even if they don't want to admit it, they might think, is this just a, you know, a teenage attention thing? And even if it is, like, who cares? Like, hi, that's what teenagers do. Whatever the the fashion is at the time, whether it's being like goth or a punk, whatever. Um, So there's nothing wrong with it. You know, when I was growing up, um, I actually wanted to do this too. Like I loved a lot of girls stuff like Barbie dolls and, you know, I wanted to, I I don't want to say that I wanted to like cross dress because it's not like I wanted to wear dresses all the time, but I did want to kind of experiment with it. And it was definitely the whole thing, me playing with Barbies and all of that was looked at as really weird and like, you know, why are you playing with Barbies? Why don't you want to go out and, I don't know, do guys stuff, whatever that is, play fucking football or some shit. You know, my mum wasn't a fan of it. My dad actually was very supportive. My dad's like super artsy and hippie and he let me wear makeup. He actually, when he knew that I wanted to do that, he bought me makeup when I was like 14 or something and was like, go ahead. I think he just liked the shock value of it because we were in a small conservative town and I think he liked shoving it in people's face. Like, you know, I have a gay son, haha, deal with it. (laughs) My dad was like that. He's always been kind of like a bit rebellious too. But anyway, look, I did it. I wore the makeup and stuff and I have zero interest in it now. I got it out of my system. You know, I have no desire to wear makeup or dresses anymore, but I'm glad that I could figure it out for myself and do it and play around and that, you know, my dad gave me the freedom to do that. Even if people, when people didn't like it, I was still going to do it. If it, Probably that's why I enjoyed doing it, actually, because it pushed people's buttons. But, you know, good for Bronwyn and her family. Um, and I do understand that some people, I think, will watch it and they will take issue with it. But I really don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, fashion is pretty superficial stuff. I don't see them pushing anything onto him. But, you know, the one thing that was really funny about the scene is 
Jacob's like family's OTT reactions every time he came out in like a new dress. Like the overpraise was so ridiculous. Like his sister was like, oh my God, this is the hottest you've ever been. Oh my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. Like straight people do this all the fucking time. Like it's not enough to just be like, oh, good for you. I'm happy for you. You know, you're expressing yourself. You look nice. Like they have to be like, oh my God, you are like prettier than Audrey Hepburn. You're like badder than Beyonce. It's like that guy... You know that guy from Queer Eye, um, Jonathan Van Jonathan Van Ness? He's always on the red carpet in, like, these hideous dresses. He looks fucking ridiculous. Like, he looks like a damn fool. And I'm telling you right now, if a actress, if a woman showed up in some of the outfits that that Jonathan guy walks around in, people would be like, okay, like, this is the worst dress list. Like, you look terrible. Like, this dress looks cheap or whatever. It's tacky. But then because it's... He's, you know, I don't know what what's the politically correct term. Um, he's, <laughs> I'm scared I'm going to say the wrong word and get cancelled. Because he's a guy in a dress, people just want to, like, overdo how good he looks when half the time he looks like a hot mess. And it was kind of like when Caitlyn Jenner came out. And, like, when Caitlyn Jenner came out as transgender, which was, like, great and everything, but it's, like, everyone ignored the fact that she just killed somebody in a manslaughter case because they were just so eager to, like, get out there and kind of virtue signal about the transition. I remember at the time Lena Dunham tweeted something like, she was like, I want Caitlyn Jenner to show me how to drive a stick shift in heels. Now, like, come on. I know that Lena Dunham isn't the most traditionally feminine woman to ever walk the face of the earth, but I'm pretty sure she knows how to walk and do things in high heels better than Caitlyn Jenner, who transitioned at like 70 years old. And prior to that was a very masculine Bruce Jenner Olympic athlete. Like Lena, you know about girly stuff and high heels and makeup more than Caitlyn fucking Jenner. Like don't pretend that suddenly you're going to get tips on on all of this stuff from Caitlyn, all right? And I remember um, also Maria Shriver. She, I remember she came out and she said something like, um, the women's empowerment movement has a powerful new voice in Caitlyn Jenner. Like, really? So w- women that have been out there fighting for women's rights and women's issues their entire life, now suddenly Caitlyn Jenner, who transitioned at 70, is the new voice of women's empowerment? Please. Like, ugh. You know, we talked about lived experience and stuff Well, a lot. I've seen, you know, Kamala talking about lived experience recently. Well, Caitlin's lived experience was as Bruce Jenner, the masculine Olympic athlete. So let's not maybe put Caitlyn Jenner as the, as the voice of female women's empowerment. And, you know, this was all funny because they turned on, they turned on Caitlyn when she came out as a Republican. Like, it's like, you could commit manslaughter and, like, kill someone. That's fine, honey. You look fierce. But, like, if you're a Republican, you're cancelled. But whatever. Straight people are so extra. Just just be supportive. Just be like, oh, you look great or whatever. You don't need to, like, bend yourself into a fucking pretzel saying how, you know, Jonathan Van Ness is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen because he's not. Um And, you know, next episode of Orange County, back to the show, Kelly's going to offend Bronwyn by, like, obnoxiously drinking tequila around her while she's trying to get sober, which is so wrong but so entertaining, like, you have to admit. And um, she's going to start a fight with Shannon, too, because I think she accuses Shannon of copying her positive beverage business, which I'm dying over. And she seems to pick the fight at Bronwyn's, like, vow renewal ceremony or something, which is totally, like, not the place to start fighting with somebody about that. So, look, 
I've got to say, I, I do kind of love Kelly. I can't lie. She's very entertaining. Um, Even me saying that, I feel like I need to add like 10 qualifiers to be like, no, I don't agree with her views on COVID and Black Lives Matter and this and that. Like, I'm just looking at her as an entertaining TV character, which I enjoy. And I wish that I could just say, oh, I love Kelly. And people would understand that I'm just referring to the show being entertaining, but you know what people are like. As soon as I say that, it's like, oh, so you agree with everything that Kelly believes in now, do you? Like, no, I don't. Ugh, please stop being extra. She's good TV. And, um, you know, she's been gunning for Bronwyn hard. If you've been following them on social media, you would have seen some of this play out. Like, Kelly went on her Instagram stories and she called... <laughs> She called Bronwyn a poser and a loser. And then she went outside of her house and she filmed her license plate. And she was like, she was kind of like attacking Bronwyn, attacking Bronwyn's house or something. You know, her license plate happened to be in the video. Just to clarify, um, apparently this was like an out-of-state Florida license plate that Bronwyn no longer lives at. So people were kind of freaking out a bit, going, oh my God, she's like doxing her. I don't think she was, but yeah, look, it was inappropriate, but is it entertaining to watch from afar? Yes. (laughs) Um, She's mad at Bronwyn because Bronwyn has been doing some press interviews recently and called her, you know, a racist and a homophobe and a bunch of other things. And look, I genuinely like all of the OC cast. Well, I don't like Shannon, but the rest of them I do like, including Bronwyn. And uh, I'm definitely not saying that Kelly isn't worthy of criticism because, like I said, I don't share her views on a lot of issues. And that stuff is – that stuff's free to criticise for sure. But, like, Bronwyn needs to be taken down a few pegs because she also made comments about Kelly's parenting, which is so hypocritical, and it's like – The thing with Bronwyn is that she does seem to think that having sort of certain woke social positions makes her morally superior to everybody on the show and, like, newsflash, it does not. I mean, have you seen this woman's life? She's a train wreck. Bronwyn is a train wreck on the level of, like, Kim Richards or something. Like, she's a raging alcoholic. Her marriage is falling to pieces. Um, I don't even know what kind of marriage she has. Is it an open marriage? Are they cheating on each other? Is it a business arrangement? Like, I, their marriage is just all over the fucking shop. She admitted on the last episode that she had seven kids, seven children, so she wouldn't have to deal with her drinking. She's like, when my alcoholism got too bad, I just went to having another kid. Um, oh, and she, I think she also admitted to palming them off on the nanny when she was too drunk, which, by the way, I'm not shaming her for having a nanny. If you have seven kids and you can afford a nanny, like, get a nanny, go for it. But you were not... You're not the one to be judging someone else's parenting, okay? Like, please. She's also a total elitist, but I'm not even going to go down that path because that's part of, like, a larger rant and segment on some of the other housewives as well that I kind of want to lump in because I've been noticing a lot of this lately with um, education shaming and I don't know if you've seen the video of Candy in the car screaming at the screaming about the Chick-fil-A employee that she felt like didn't address her properly. Um And I was going to talk about that this week, but we just have too much other stuff. So we're just putting a pin in that for now. But, um, you know, look, with Bronwyn, i got to say, it is amazing that she's getting help for her issues. She's owning her mistakes. She's doing it publicly. She's putting it out there. Love that for her. I wish her the best. I do like her. I'm not criticizing her for that. But she does use some of her politics as like a shield to kind of deflect valid criticism and to judge others. And I really don't like it. Um. 
you know, the whole cast has actually unfollowed her on social media. And Bronwyn tried to say that it was because, basically because she's a a Joe Biden supporter and the other cast members are Trump supporters, so they're, I don't know, triggered by her political beliefs or something, which is such bullshit. Like, these women, yeah, most of the OC housewives we know, they're Republicans or they're Trump supporters, but... They also work in the entertainment industry and they're used to seeing Democrats everywhere. Like half of their social media feed is probably filled with Democrat stuff and woke stuff and whatever. Like you really think they're just going to unfollow you because you wore a smash the patriarchy t-shirt? Like, no, that's her deflecting and then trying to frame them a certain way. Um, Emily actually responded to this and she totally put Bronwyn in her place. Now, this is what Emily said. Emily goes, I did not unfollow Bronwyn because of her political beliefs. I unfollowed Bronwyn because she's a hypocrite. Bronwyn has an uncanny knack for reeling people in and making them feel sorry for her and then firmly requiring that people not judge her choices in life. She uses the terms modern and progressive to justify her own questionable choices in life, while at the exact same time pointing fingers at others, labelling them and harshly judging them. I mean, bam. That is Bronwyn in a nutshell. And... Um, guys, Emily is like my favorite on the show. Everything she says, I'm like, you are spot on. You are spot on. Like, even the other week, she had a thing with Bronwyn and um, she was saying something about Bronwyn being spoiled. What was it? Bronwyn was saying that she didn't have time to do something because she was off like getting a facial. Like, Bronwyn is such an elitist. Like, she's such a typical like Newport housewife. Anyway, look. While I'm on the subject of the OC, I have another rant about something, and um, I'm about to drag someone, and I didn't want to do this, but it must be done, so here we go. So, if you listened to last week's episode, you would have heard me defending Leah McSweeney for her third-party vote, and why I felt like she shouldn't be cancelled, and why I think voter shaming is just awful and completely unproductive. And you've probably also heard me talk about the Real Housewives of Orange County boycott and why I felt like a lot of the outrage around it was just hypocritical and, you know, completely selective. Well, there is this woman named Sarah Galley from the Andy's Girls podcast, and she was one of the loudest voices in the whole OC boycott. She's now back at it again, this time working with her friends over at Vice magazine to promote a list that she compiled of all the housewives who didn't post about the election results. Now, let me just be clear. These aren't housewives who came out and questioned the election results. They simply just haven't posted about it for whatever reason. And this has outraged Sarah Galley for some reason, to the point that she's had to create a list of them and insinuate that they don't support democracy and that they're un-American um, and that they're conspiracy theorists. I don't know what else. There's a laundry list of things that she's implying about them. Now, I'm about to go off on her, but let me just read you a quote from this article first. It's a pretty long article with a lot of quotes from Sarah because she loves to talk, so this is just a small piece. She said, The purpose of this post truly wasn't to just list mega housewives, Galley told Vice. It was to unpack who was essentially ignoring the election results, knowing that silence could imply they're in agreement with the idea that our election was a fraud. This is not about who they voted for. This is about whether or not they would support country over party at the lowest possible level of saying this election took place and someone won. First of all, she is completely disingenuous about this because she says it's not about MAGA housewives when it clearly is. Like, do you think she would have done this list if the election results were flipped? 
Of course she wouldn't. So she's being fake right off the bat. It's about calling out people who she suspects could possibly be Trump supporters. And how does she know that they don't support the election results? They haven't even commented on it. She's making up deranged assumptions based off of her own obsession with partisan politics. She's invented this in her head. Like I said, they haven't said anything about the election. They haven't posted about it. So she's concocted this in her head and implied a bunch of things that she can't even verify are true. And then she's pretending that it's not about calling out MAGA housewives when it clearly is. I shouldn't even say it's about calling out MAGA housewives. I should say it's about people agreeing with her view exactly, because I really think that's more what it's about. And you know, what kind of militant psychopath sifts through like a hundred different housewives' social media accounts, accounts to take note of whether or not they posted about the election? That's not a normal thing to do. Like, that's not a normal way to spend your time. That's what a Karen does. She's a Karen. Now, look, I try to use the term Karen sparingly because I think it can be misused sometimes as a way to shut women down without engaging in what they have to say. But in this case, Sarah Galley is a Karen and Vice.com is the manager. Sarah has no evidence that they don't agree with the election results because they haven't said anything. And even if they do question that, don't they have that right? I mean, I may not agree that the election was rigged, okay? I mean, I haven't really given it that much thought, to be honest, but I may not agree with that. But they're free to feel how they want to feel about the election. Or maybe they're just waiting for information. Like, who knows? Every time I look at the news, there seems to be some, a new development in this election thing. Maybe they're just waiting for more information. But of course, Sarah's trying to punish them over the possibility that they may be harboring the wrong kind of thoughts. Like, this is thought policing. Like, who does this? The time that it took her to list the housewives who didn't post about the election, she could have made a list of, like, politicians who have refused to support legislation that protects the integrity of elections or something. Like, she could have raised awareness around, like, paper ballots or ranked choice voting. I don't know. Like, surely there's something more important than cancelling housewives for thought crimes. There are a lot of reasons why somebody may not have posted about the election results. Like, maybe they just don't want to get trolled and bullied on social media, because whichever side they take, whether it's the Biden side or the Trump side, or even if they try to be neutral, like, they're going to piss someone off. They're going to piss off the person that doesn't agree with whatever their viewpoint is. And maybe they don't want thousands of comments from people who are all hopped up about the election, because obviously it was quite intense, it was very emotional, people are fired up about it. Maybe they don't want that all over their Instagram. Also, maybe some of them aren't politically active. A lot of people aren't. And it doesn't make them a bad person. Like, maybe someone may not follow politics day to day, but they might volunteer at a homeless shelter or something. They might donate a lot of money to charity. You don't know if they're a good person or not. With this list, for example, like she had Teresa's name on the list. Do you think Teresa knows the first thing about the election? She can barely even string a sentence together. And she was in prison. She can't even vote. So, like, what does it even matter what she thinks about the results? I mean, come on. You know, my American friend, he voted for Bernie in the primary and then he voted for Biden in the general election. And after he cast his vote for Biden, he just said, I'm done. I voted. I've done my part. I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's stressful. It's affecting my mental health. And, you know, when I tried to talk to him about political stuff, because I do watch a lot of American politics, he didn't want to talk about it. And I respected that because a lot of people are over it. I personally, I don't think by memory that I even posted about the election results. And there wasn't some conspiracy with me not believing them. I've just been focused on my podcast and other stuff. And I'm kind of just watching the information unfold from afar. And, you know, I've been planning to kind of look into it more and I haven't really got around to it because I've had other stuff on my mind. 
You know what's funny is that one of the people who actually has kind of defended Trump is Wendy Williams. She said on her show the other day, I caught this and I was quite shocked. Um, she said she supports Trump investigating the voter fraud stuff. And like Wendy, Wendy Williams is your typical CNN Democrat. Like she's no Trump supporter as far as I know. So that just makes me think like, what does Sarah Galley think of people of color and black women who don't agree with her political views? Like, is Wendy Williams next on the list? Is she going to try and silence and shame Wendy Williams? Is Wendy Williams and other black women going to be the target of her next Vice article or social media media post for committing thought crimes? Sarah seems to think that she speaks for people of color. Like, here's something that she said in the same article, and she's said similar things in other articles, so it's not just this one. She says... These women, all of whom are white or could be considered white presenting, seem perfectly fine with black housewives doing all the emotional and physical labor, both in getting people to the polls and acknowledging that what happened happened and dealing with any possible pushback. I find that to be a great measure of laziness and toxicity and above all, privilege. (sighs) Okay, you can be an ally to a community, but there's also a thing as having a white savior complex, which is what Sarah Galley seems to have. She thinks it is her job to ride in on a white horse and save the black Bravo viewers and then get applause and praise for it. Oh my God, Sarah, thank you. Thank you for speaking up for us. Oh, you're so incredible, Sarah. These articles are all about Sarah and all about what Sarah thinks and her voice and her social media posts and her podcast. She's a shameless self-promoter. If you go to her official website, she literally has a list of all the press she's gotten over the years. Anywhere that her name has been mentioned, it's listed, even on like shitty blogs. And a quick Google of her shows that she's been trying to be in the spotlight and in front of the camera for years. So now she's got it. She's using these political and social movements to promote herself and her podcast and to force her views on others. You know, there's a black political YouTuber that I'm a really big fan of because I love American politics and he is really vocal on Black Lives Matter stuff and racism in America and he really holds American politicians and public figures on both sides accountable, especially on race issues. And when I can, I donate some money to his show because I want to support him and I believe in supporting independent media and creators and I think he has an important voice that should be platformed. But, you know, I don't make it about me like Sarah does. I quietly give him some money, support him, and I keep it moving. It's not like, oh, my God, it's the me show. And, you know, with Sarah, like, not even just Sarah, but, like, people like Sarah, why is this such a narrow window of, like, political views that we're allowed to have or support? Like, again, last week, Leah was attacked for voting libertarian. So you're not allowed to be libertarian. Obviously, it goes without saying you're not allowed to be Republican to these people. You know, I've had Sarah Galley types tell me off for retweeting like Bernie Sanders or Marianne Williamson, as if suddenly it means I support every single thing that Marianne Williamson has ever said, just because I retweeted something about healthcare that I agreed with her on. So it's like, you can't like the far left, you can't like the right, you can't like the libertarians or the Green Party. Basically, you're only allowed to support like three moderate centrist Democrats that Sarah Galley personally approves of and anyone else will get you cancelled. It's just all about Sarah and her views and everyone needs to believe exactly what she believes and if they don't, she'll go to Instagram or she'll go to Vice and try and have you cancelled. Also, the funniest thing about all of this, and I'm keeping in mind the OC boycott, which she's actually backing off of now, which I knew she would because she's such a hypocrite. She's pretending that she wasn't part of the OC boycott when she was. But anyway, 
if you go to her Instagram page and you scroll back through her posts, she has like gushing selfies with all the problematic Bravo celebrities like Stasi and Leanne Locken. Like, girl, I thought you were woke. It's like, okay, so you judge everyone else and punish them for their thought crimes, but then as soon as someone on Bravo will take a selfie with you, you're gushing over them being like a queen and flawless and you love it. Like, give me a fucking break. Again, a self-promoter, self-righteous. It's all about her. It's all about promoting herself. And, you know, Bravo is supposed to be escape an escape from all of this political stuff. Like, I consume tons of political content weekly, and my fave reality shows are where I can switch off and enjoy something else. And now Karens like Sarah are completely ruining it by politicizing everything. Like, I can't even watch The Real Housewives of OC without being accused of supporting, like, you know, COVID conspiracy theories and racism. And now what? Am I going to get in trouble for liking Melissa Gorga? I mean, I don't like Melissa Gorga, but let's just say that I do for argument's sake. Am I going to be in trouble for liking Melissa Gorga because she didn't post about the freaking 2020 election results? Like, this needs to stop. I understand if you want to criticise the Siggy Flickers of the world who are very open and loud about their political views. They put it out there for you to criticise. You know, she puts conspiracies out there. I think, at least personally, maybe you agree with Siggy Flicker. I don't know. I don't. But that's very different to, like, punishing people for just not posting about politics. Like, come on. Sarah needs to get a fucking hobby, a constructive one, please, someone. Buy this woman a football or something. Anyway, since all of this went down, Sarah has been playing the victim on social media, which does not surprise me. She's claiming to have been doxxed, and she says that Trump supporters are giving her podcast one-star reviews on iTunes. Um... To combat this, she's urging her own fans to go over and give her five stars. Now, look, I don't know how much of this is true and how much she's just saying for sympathy because she's clearly a self-righteous narcissist, but please don't dox people. It is disgusting. Nobody deserves it. Not even Sarah. She's entitled to her opinions. Also, don't give her one-star reviews, please. As much as I (laughs) really dislike her now, creating a podcast is really hard work and spamming anybody with one-star reviews is really damaging. I don't doubt that Sarah probably puts a lot of love, blood, sweat, and tears into her show, and I'm sure she has a loyal audience of people that love her content, and again, as much as I cannot stand her opinions, I wouldn't want to see her get all these one-star reviews just for, you know, having political views that people don't agree with. Like, I'm probably going to get one-star reviews now for my strong opinions on all of all of this stuff, and... It sucks, but, you know, whatever. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to be like a lot of the other fake podcasts out there that only say what people want to hear. So a lot of those Bravo accounts, you probably follow some of them on social media. I won't call anyone out, but you know who they are. And look, if you feel the same way as I do about Sarah, just don't listen to her show anymore. Like, if you're subscribed to it, unsubscribe and just leave her alone. Don't listen. Leave her to shout into the abyss alone. On the flip side, if you think I'm full of shit and you love what Sarah's doing and you totally support it and you think that um, all of these housewives should be listed and shamed for not posting about the election, like, go and follow Sarah. Like, subscribe to her show, subscribe to her Patreon, give her five-star reviews. Like, I don't support cancel culture or online bullying. And, you know, my philosophy with this stuff in general is just, if you like something, support it. If you don't, don't listen to it. You know, you don't have to cancel it. Just get it away. There's plenty of good content out there for you to enjoy. So 
Yeah. Anyway, now let's get on to something fun after all this heaviness. Let's talk about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So I'm sure you've all watched it by now. Um, What is so great about a brand new Housewives show starting is that if there is anybody in your life that you've been trying to get into Housewives or Bravo, now's the time to do it because The Housewives of Salt Lake City is brand new. There's no catching up. They don't have to go back, you know, seven seasons. It'll take them years to watch just to get up to date. So now is great. So get everyone on board the Salt Lake City train. Now, the premiere was great, but people are really overdoing it with the praise, okay? People are <laughs> people are going crazy for this show and it's too much. Like, I've seen tweets from Bravo fans saying that they cried watching it. I mean, crying over a Housewives premiere, that's honestly pathetic. So, please don't be crying watching Housewives and if you are you you need to do something else. Like, something is missing in your life, clearly. I saw somebody else say that it deserves a Pulitzer Prize. Um, no, it does not. And Jezebel said that it set a new gold standard of reality television. No, it did not. It is not Survivor Season 1 with Richard Hatch. It's still a standard, highly produced Bravo-style reality show. Nobody is reinventing the wheel. But with that said... It was very good by Bravo Housewives standards. It's definitely up there. Definitely a strong premiere. I don't have a ton of criticism for it. I just wish people would stop crying and like hyperventilating and freaking out over it because it's getting a little bit too much. Before I get into the episode, I will say that one thing I noticed was the way that the women are promoting the show on social media in particular. Like, the franchise has changed so much. Like, this is no longer just, you know, a group of normal socialites that had cameras follow them around and then we got a show. Like, these are women who want to be on TV They're very aware that they're making a TV show and that they have a role to play. The way that they're conducting themselves on social media, it's like actresses promoting a new scripted Netflix drama, okay? So, that was just interesting to me because, you know, the the franchise now, it is so big. It's been on for so many years. You just can't really find people that are green and don't know anything about reality TV. Like, occasionally you might get one of them per cast. These are women that, you know, really know what they're doing and are very self-aware. The worst offender is Jen Shah. I hinted at this, I think, in last week's show. Now, look, I like Jen, okay? I, I think she actually seems like a nice person. She follows me on social media. Um, I was excited about her, but she's dialed things up to such a level on the show and on social media that it just screams thirsty. Like, it's too much. It is kind of like Leanne Locken, but... I think Leanne was more authentically herself and, like, genuinely crazy. Jen just seems like an actress. I don't really think Jen's crazy. I think Jen seems quite nice. She's just extra and is really trying to make something of this platform, and she's gone too far. The way that she conducts herself on social media is just someone that's, like, desperate for attention. And um, a lot of people have noticed this. Uh, Well, they've noticed it now. Beforehand, everyone was obsessed with her because she was replying to all the fans' tweets and DMing with everybody and stuff. Um, Now that the show's premiered, I think some people are like, hmm, she's a little bit thirsty. Um, Wendy Williams even pointed this out on her show. So, with that said, look, I still like her, okay? I'm not- I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on her. I'm just saying she needs to dial it back a bit more and 
be a bit more herself because I just didn't find it super authentic. She has a really interesting story. So she's from Hawaii, but she moved to Utah as a child. She was Mormon, but then she left the church because she married a black guy. And she said that the Mormon church was racist and didn't accept black people. So she kind of felt like, you know, I can't be part of a, a religion like this. So she's left and now she's converting to Islam or she has converted to Islam already. I'm not sure, but I mean, it's pretty interesting. Um, And yeah, she seems nice, but she needs to pull back because honestly, if she doesn't, it'll be her own undoing. Like, she has everything that it takes just naturally to be a really good housewife and a good reality TV character. She doesn't need to take it up to such a level because she'll get too much in her own head and she'll just kind of torpedo herself, I think. So, just dial it back, honey. Um, The best housewife on the show is Heather. She's the normal one, but she's, like, really funny and relatable. Everybody loves her. Her ancestors were Mormon pioneers or something, and then she married into Mormon royalty, like a really, really wealthy family. But she's divorced now, and she's doing her own thing. She runs a beauty spa. I'm kind of obsessed with her already, but I was actually talking to Dana Wilkie, you know, 25,000, Dana Wilkie from Beverly Hills. Um, we were discussing the premiere and she said to me that Heather's the secret producer of the cast, you know, like the Tamara or the Lisa Vanderpump. And I was like, what? And I'm like, really? You think she's a secret producer? Why? And Dana said that Heather seems to be narrating the show in all of the confessionals and steering everything just by with her narration and her commentary. So I don't know, watch the show closely. Tell me if you pick up on that and if you agree. I mean, I could definitely see that. Heather does seem very smart. Maybe she is the Lisa Vanderpump of Salt Lake City. I guess we'll find out. Uh, The other girl that I like is Meredith. She's this tough chick from Chicago. Uh, I think her storyline is going to be marriage problems. That's what seems to be getting hinted at. She also has this gay son that people are obsessed with. Now, there are such double standards with this because I'm telling you right now, If this was a straight daughter and not a gay son, people would hate her just like they hate Lisa Rinna's daughters. Like, he's this gay twink with extreme vocal fry and he dropped out of college just to move back in with his parents so he could be in the background on Salt Lake City. You know, he seems to be trying to become Insta-famous and sell a clothing line or something, which is fine. Like, good for you, man. I would probably do the same thing if I was him. Not knocking him. I'm just saying that if he was a girl, people would not be a huge fan of him. But because he's a gay boy, everyone thinks that he's amazing and, like, the funniest thing ever, and they're all praising him. But, I don't know, spare a thought for poor Amelia Gray and Delilah Bell Hamlin, who have basically done the same thing as this guy. Actually, they're probably funnier than him, and they just get dragged by viewers. So, some double standards there. There is another housewife called Lisa. She looks exactly like Meredith, except just with a really unlikable personality. There's also Whitney Rose, who I love. She is Heather's cousin. She's this really young, cute blonde, and she married her older, wealthy boss. They were both married at the time, and they had an affair, and it was some huge scandal, and she was excommunicated by the Mormon church, but now they've been together for 10 years. She seems really sweet, but I think she's going to be trouble. She's going to be a sneaky one. I think anybody that is married and has an affair with their much older, wealthier boss, and then runs off with him, even if it is true love, it does show you that this person isn't, you know, they're not squeaky clean. They will do certain things in life. So, um, be very interested to see what happens with Whitney Rose. I'm loving her so far. Now, last but definitely not least is Mary. 
She is a pastor who married her grandfather, well, her step-grandfather. Um, it has been getting headlines everywhere. Even if you're not watching the show, you may have seen this. You know what's weird is that when I heard that she married her grandpa, I think I was like, oh, what? But I, I don't know. I wasn't that blown away by it. <laughs> it's so weird. I just was like, oh, okay, she married a grandpa. Like, I kind of, like, took it at face value. Like, oh, I'm sure there must be some reason. I mean, her step-grandpa, I don't know. But then I realized that people were obsessed with this because every single headline about Salt Lake City is the woman married her grandpa. And I'm like, okay, I mean, it is shocking. I don't know why. I just, just kind of went over my head, maybe. She's crazy. Like, she's super weird. And I appreciate that because I really like, um, you know, genuine crazy instead of contrived crazy, like certain other cast members. Now, there is a lot of tea about Mary online. I actually... Don't want to repeat it because it's really full on. And if it's not true, it's defamatory. But you can Google it for yourself and find out. Look, in a nutshell, they're kind of painting her out to be like a crazed con artist and possibly a cult leader or something. I don't know. I don't know how much is true. There are also things I don't want to repeat about her race, racial stuff and plastic surgery. But I don't know. All of that aside, I'm just going to go off what I'm watching on the TV instead of the drama in the blogs. She is very entertaining. She has zero filter. Um, She seems completely insane. I do kind of have a feeling that she might be a one-season wonder because she kind of seems too crazy to last. But at the same time, she's actually the only black cast member, and I don't know if Bravo would want to fire, you know, the show's diversity in this climate. So I guess we'll see. I mean, unless they had a replacement, but... I don't know. I'm really curious to see more of Mary. I want to see if she actually has a side that doesn't seem like she's not so. She's also in this weird feud with Jen that honestly like doesn't make that much sense. Like apparently they went to dinner and Mary said that Jen smelled like a hospital. And then Jen is offended because she said she was visiting her aunt in the hospital and her aunt had her legs amputated and that's offensive to her, the hospital thing. Like, I don't even know if Jen is upset about it, honestly. It feels kind of like a fake feud that they're blowing up just to get the ball rolling on the show. Um, At the end of the episode, she, like, storms off dramatically at this birthday party they're having and it seems really forced. It's like one of those fake housewives walk-offs where they do it for attention. You know, whatever. It was Overall, it was really good. And to be fair, almost all of the housewife shows start off with, like, a a fake kind of contrived disagreement and then naturally things just snowball and real drama starts. So, I can't really, like criticize Jen and Mary for this weird hospital thing. But look, it's a really strong cast overall. There's not one person on the cast that I'm like, oh, they shouldn't be on there. Like when Potomac started, I remember thinking, you know, why is Robin on this show? And when Dallas started, who do I think was boring on Dallas? Maybe Stephanie, although she's grown on me a lot now. There's no weak link really so far. And it's all filmed in Utah, which is a really beautiful setting. It's like, you know, winter wonderland. And the kind of religious undertones, even though most of them don't seem to be Mormon anymore, just like the religious factor is really fun. Uh, if you watch any TLC reality shows, you'll know that Mormonism is a is a big selling thing for them and something about the Mormon religion seems to breed very interesting people for reality television. So I'm excited about it. People are very excited about the show, like I said, overdoing it. Um 
One thing that is good about it is that it is more progressive because, you know, we are seeing all of this pushback against uh, the Housewives of Orange County, for example, and this has a bit more diversity. It's got, obviously, it's got a black housewife and then it has Jen, who is Hawaiian, but she's like mixed with other stuff. It's got Meredith's gay son that is getting a lot of spotlight. Um, the women seem the women seem pretty open minded, I guess, with things. Heather was talking about how she loves like you know gays and black guys and all of this stuff. So I mean, it doesn't seem very racist to me. I know that there's going to be there's some kind of racism accusation that is going to play out as a storyline, but I don't know any details around it. Um, I have some predictions of what it could be, but I don't want to predict it on record in case I'm wrong and then people cancel me so (laughs) so we'll see how that is and yeah you know like i've said in the past i love that the housewives of oc is like republican karenville and then i also love that other cities are like more progressive and stuff so i think this fits in great in the the bravo universe um i'm glad that people have a new housewives show to be obsessed with and if you have been waiting to dive into the housewives this is the show you can start it right now so yeah so let's wrap things up with my favorite the bachelorette Now, look, if you're not watching The Bachelorette, I don't know what to tell you, but it's better than Bravo and you are missing out. You are not living life to the fullest if you're not watching this. I'm sure there are plenty of crappy TV shows that you have been watching instead of The Bachelorette. So, look, I don't know what I can say to you. I feel sorry for you. Anyway, look, this was our first full episode with Tasia. She is so beautiful. I am obsessed with her. I love her. As soon as she arrives, the guys are all over her. It's actually really funny. They're like, oh my God, you're so much better than Claire. Like, they look so, (laughs) look so relieved to have her there instead of crazy Claire. And look, I love Tasia so much and I have since Colton's season. But look, I'll be honest, there is a part of me that misses crazy clingy Claire. They actually brought Claire and Dale back for an interview segment and Claire was off her fucking rocker. Like, she was so intense. She's so full on. Um, She was talking about having babies. Dale was sitting there completely terrified. I really fear for their future. They do not seem to be on the same page. Claire is going at like 200% and Dale is just sitting back fucking stuck in reverse or something. I don't know. It does not look good for these two, but Claire is good TV. I think we need to lay off Claire and not hate on her so much. She gave us a really good first four episodes, and if she gets dumped by Dale, I would actually be happy to see her come back on, like, Paradise or something again. Let's just keep bringing her back. Okay, so the start of this episode, the Claire stuff aside, it actually felt very fake. Like, as much as I love Tasia, she felt like she was performing in almost every scene, and the guys were kind of just saying what they think you're supposed to say when you're on The Bachelor. It's almost like this late casting change has, like, fucked up the formula a bit, and it's almost exposed the artifice of the whole franchise. Like, I know that this is a really overproduced kind of fake-ish show, but I tend to buy into it every season, and this was one of the first times I'm like, hmm can see how fake this is but look it became a lot more natural as the episode went on and by the end of it i was fully invested again so the brainwashing worked it was mostly thanks to this solo date that tasia goes on with this like wannabe model actor guy named brendan he has this really weird accent like he grew up in 1980s new york but i googled him and he's actually from massachusetts so can somebody explain his accent to me 
And, you know, I originally, he wasn't one of the standouts for me and I wasn't that excited for their date, but they had so much chemistry and he was so cute. And like by the dinner portion of their date, I had like tears in my eyes. (laughs) They bonded over like both being divorced and he was saying how he wants to have kids and like, I don't know how to explain it, but I had chills I was just totally brainwashed by The Bachelor again. Um, And, you know, he loves turtleneck sweaters and I love a turtleneck. So that kind of endeared me to him as well. It's just funny that no matter how, like, overproduced and contrived this franchise is, like, it gets me every time. It always reels me in, which is kind of why I think it's one of the best shows on TV, because it has the ability to do that. By the way, the first part of their solo date was so awkward. They just rode around on horses around the resort. That was it. Because remember, they're quarantined in this resort in the desert in the middle of summer. There's nothing to do. They're limited because of COVID. Like, they literally cannot leave the resort. So, there's only, like, five different activities that you can do there. Um, And they always look like they're boiling hot. I know I mention that every week, but it's just so obvious. Like, you look at them, they look visibly uncomfortable. Chris looks uncomfortable. They always have, like, beads of sweat coming down. Ugh. I don't know, it's a lot. And there's a lot of pool scenes, by the way, because, I mean, of course, it's burning like hell there, and what else are they going to do? So, Tasia and uh, Brendan go in the pool, and speaking of pools, there is also um, a water polo group date, and we get to see this new guy, Spencer, in a Speedo, which I was really happy about. This guy, Spencer, is so hot. I actually, like, words can't describe how good he is. Photos don't do it justice. You kind of just have to see him in action and watch him from the start of the episode. He is perfection. He looks like he's sculpted by the gods. He's beautiful. Tasia is keen. She gives him the first impression rose. They're sort of editing him like a villain, but I don't buy it at all. He's just confident, and he's a front runner, and the other guys are jealous. Actually looks like some of the guys are kind of going to try and bully him. I feel like that happens a lot on The Bachelorette. And I actually think that they did that to Luke P on Hannah B's season. Um, A lot of people wouldn't agree with me on that because Luke P was like mega villain, but I really felt like the guys were mean to him and I can see them being mean to Spencer and they're just jealous. Like who wouldn't be jealous of Spencer? He's incredible. So yeah, look, tune into The Bachelorette or just go on YouTube to watch clips of Spencer. He is gorgeous. And I love Brendan. I kind of hope Brendan wins. I don't know. I love a bunch of the guys. I'm loving this season. Love Tasia. Love the whole thing. Tune in. That's it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at popinkpod. Please don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. It helps the show a lot. If you want to support the show further, you can buy me an iced coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash poppingpod and you can donate to the show. You can buy me a coffee. It's very much appreciated. Um, I have some fun stuff coming up in the next few weeks. I am in talks with a few really big guests, so I hope that works out. You would not believe how many people I've talked to that have agreed to do the show and then they've vanished and ghosted me. Katie Rost, I'm looking at you. There are some other juicy people. It's also hard getting past the Bravo gatekeepers because a lot of these people, they agree to do the show. Like I had Salt Lake City people agree. I have had some other big name people agree, but unless Bravo approves it, you can't get them on. So it's tough, but I have like a billion balls in the air. Like I have so many people that I'm talking to. And even when I don't have a guest, I feel like I have plenty to talk about anyway. You know, I've always got something to like rant about or go off about. We have some fun stuff coming up. Remember, follow me Twitter, Instagram, rate and review on iTunes, and support me at buymeacoffee.com slash poppingpod. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye.